Hi guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits Mitra podcast. What's new this week, Mike? Hey, not much for me, but I'm sorry that you're not feeling too great under the weather. Hope it's not COVID round two for you. Yeah, so if you, uh, if I sound a little bit down today, it's because I don't feel good, but I'm here. This is my Jordan's flu game of the pod. <laughs> I'm very, although I did pod a couple of times when I had COVID last year, so I don't know. But yeah, no, it's it's fine. I'm, I'm good. I'm getting through. But this uh, this brings me joy doing this with you. Two Two nights this week. Uh, we we could call you Iron Man. Forget me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Oh man! Well, we uh, you actually had alerted this to me. A real interesting Vince Flynn tidbit, something for the history books, maybe for the Vince Flynn Museum. I couldn't believe that article you had sent me of a potential partnership between Vince and another author on a on a separate series. How'd you stumble on that? It was when I went down this rabbit hole to, re- so like obviously we're gearing up to do like a bunch of pods about, you know, the book series as a whole, whatever. And I was going through the Goodreads again, getting, updating all of our scores, which they've changed since I put them in, right? We had that whole talk last week about Red Wars score. And it went, I was Googling something and Vince's, oh, I clicked on his name on Goodreads. And then this book came up as one of his titles, and it's called Untitled Number One. Obviously, that's not the name of the title. It's a filler. <laughs> and it was co-written, was supposed to be co-written with Brian Haig, and I was like, what, what is this? And it's a, supposed to be a detective series. It gave a little description, and I'm Googling around, Googling around. The only thing I find is like a, a couple of mentions on his website, which hasn't been updated for years, Brian Haig's website, saying, oh, he, he signed up to, you know, to do this series with with vince it's gonna have like brian's name but vince's picture on the back of the cover like i'm guessing somewhere like a james patterson type deal you know like where you know they have his name but it's another author and then obviously an update later on when so this book deal got signed in 2010 um yeah. and then obviously vince vince passed away so this book never came out what was funny though was on goodreads someone had rated it had commented like great book love the story <laughs> And then it just had two comments below. This was like, how did you read this book? I've been trying to figure it out. Like, I want to read this book. And yeah. no response, obviously. Dude, that's got to like be a, the bots. It's a bot. It's a it's bot. The bots. And, and there's 261 ratings on Goodreads for Untitled Number 1 by Vince Flynn and Brian Haig. Like, what? <laughs> and it, so it just it just leads credence to the fact we were talking about last week. There are bots on Goodreads. Right. Although, here's the thing. I've got some info from the man on the inside, the bus, David the Bus Brown, publicist and friend of Vince Flynn, still the publicist for Kyle of the Mitrap series. He told me they were working on a manuscript. Just in Vince's lifetime, he never thought it got to the point ready for release. But this thing was written. There was at least some drafts of a detective series and here's the description goodreads even had a description quote a debut entry in a new series that represents a collaboration between the author of killshot and the author of the best-selling the capital game outlines a harrowing first case by a new york city anti-terror group that would be something way different for vince sign me up that's pretty cool i know it's sad that uh we couldn't get that 
it was just like I was going down this rabbit hole and I actually found something else too that probably would have been good to find when we started this podcast. But it's free on uh, Amazon, Kindle, and it's the Mitrap, Vinsland Mitrap Encyclopedia. And it was published right around the time of Last Man, so Vince's last uh, last book. It has every character and a lot of like the locations. And with each character, it says like all the books they've been in, a little backstory, uh, especially if it's like um, an operator. It says their favorite weapon. So it was pretty cool, and, and definitely would have been something hand- that might have came in handy when uh, when we were doing this pod. Right. Although we were reading the books. So- so maybe it'll come in handy now once um, if we need to go back and talk about some of our favorite characters, uh, at least we can go back to the Vince characters and, and pull that up. So, yeah, it was just a cool little thing. Yeah. When you sent me that, I downloaded it right away. The Mitch Rapp Encyclopedia. Dude, you're right. We could have used that this whole time. We made the audio encyclopedia, I guess one could say. But, yeah, that thing's going to be cool for pulling up some fast facts like I just thought of one that we have not mentioned in a long time. You know how along the way we were saying like really cool characters we like, uh, Milt Adams and and a couple others. We haven't talked about Rob Ridley in a really long time. True, very true, very true. I think he needs a tribute, a character analysis episode. That would have been nice if Kyle had picked him up, you know, because he was he was a big player in the Last Man, right? Yeah, and obviously in the two in both Killshot and. American Assassin, or was he was he an American Assassin? He was definitely in kid shot, Kill Shot. Yeah. So I'd like to see his retirement. Like that'd be kind of cool. And maybe he buys a house in Manassas. Like a little tidbit like that would just be so sweet. We need to do a character analysis of our. Um, why am I blanking on his name? Skip. It's, it's, it's Skip McMahon. How did you know I was going to say? I, I don't know. I felt it. I uh, felt you were you were going you were digging our for Skip. favorite FBI character. Uh, you know, I think you could do a whole. You know how like um, Yellowstone's doing this prequel series that really is nothing to do about. I mean, obviously the characters—it's like their great great grandfather, right? How they got from I don't know the South to um, Montana, but you know you could have Skip, young Skip. You know, oh, and then yeah. you don't have to worry about bringing in any other character, but having Skip and the FBI—that would be a cool thing to do. So true. Even Michael O'Rourke. Uh, there's so many. Mm. Oldies but goodies. You could, do. you could do like a whole Vince, a Flynnverse, you know? Oh, totally. And there's a couple other free books on Amazon. One is like, a, it's a it's just the the list in which you should read these books. <laughs> um, like what, why you would need that. that. That was actually not free. It's 99 cents. <laughs> and then, well, you just Google that. It's, it's, what? Why would you buy a 99 cent ebook? But the other one that's cool is, is it's like a bunch of quotes from Vince's books. Okay. Uh, so I, I don't know if you got a chance to check that one out, but that one was, was pretty cool as well. No, nah, you know I'm the quote master, so. I, I know. Like you're the quote that. Yeah. Well, dude, I think this is going to be a fantastic next couple of months because today we're wrapping up our final book written by Vince Flynn or Kyle Mills in the series thus far. But man, I'm thinking we got two, three, four months of content, like we've been saying, just to chit-chat about the series, go back to some oldies but goodies, finish up our character analysis, and even continue with some interviews in our author series, bringing on some different voices and different guests. So, a lot more to come. Yeah, we'll keep doing it until we uh, 
till we until we feel like there's there's no 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 more midtrap stuff to cover. Although there's probably always midtrap stuff together, but until we feel satisfied. Yeah. Until it runs its course. You know it has not run its course yet. Saying thank you to our fantastic patrons who make this podcast possible. Really incredible update and shout out to our newest patron, Kevin B. He jumped on the Operation Paperback Wagon, got involved, signed up as a volunteer shipper, and was able to put 57 books in care packages out to the troops. We also have used the funds from the last few months to send out five care packages. We sent an additional 60 books out to the troops, and it brings the podcast total to 460 books donated to troops and veterans. Chris, I just we couldn't have done it without the patrons. I'm so grateful for them supporting us, allowing us to support this cause. I think next month I got another 40. We'll hit that 500 number. Nice. And so typically you put, what, five to ten books per package? Yeah. <laughs> I hate to say it. Depends on the size of the boxes that I have lying around. Uh, I would say eight to ten per package usually. Eight to ten. All right, cool. So that's like almost almost fifty packages that we we've sent out to different people. That's that's really cool. Right, right. Nice. Well, thank you. Yeah, we got one other way to thank our patrons at the end of the month. So just a week or two from now, we'll do our monthly giveaway. And I don't know where I dug this up from. I was going through my shelf. I still had an extra copy of the Survivor signed by Kyle Mills. Oh, we yeah. still got we, we still have one more signed book to give out. I thought we got rid of those back in uh, January. Uh, trust me, I dumped like seventy percent of my collection, which was taking up three shelves. Uh, Rosie, gladly tell you about uh, me getting rid of those books. But I saw I had two survivors. I was like, wait, are both of those signed? And they were. So we got a giveaway for January. We'll announce that in the next few weeks. If you want to sign up and help out, Patreon dot com slash Pod. And you'll also get access to our exclusive Rap on Rap series, an extra bonus podcast series. Chris and I shooting the breeze about once or twice a month. All right. Well, you already said it. We are covering our last Kyle book, our last uh, book in the series to date, and that is Red War, which it's really prescient that we are. Uh, is that, is that the, I'm not good at using these words. Is it prescient that we're using, that we're yep, reading yep, yep. this book this month where oh, the absolutely. talks are, are currently happening? To prevent an invasion of Ukraine. Of Ukraine, <laughs> yeah. And I was listening to both, you know, I'll just do a little, little. this is important to the story, because I'm listening to both the Daily Podcast and uh, the BBC World Service, where they laid out some of the Russian demands. And Russia wants, not only, Ukraine can never join NATO, but also, they have to restrict, like, some of the other uh, states from joining NATO, like Finland, mm-hmm. and in the states that are part of NATO, that are part of that border, like Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania, which are, are very important to our story today, they have to remove troops and not do exercises and remove nuclear weapons that they have in Poland. And it's like, is that going to happen? Like, wh- what the hell? And if it doesn't happen, does that mean they're going to immediately invade? And I was learning that it's important that we don't find out what time of year this book is happening so again i'm guessing it must be happening right now or in february march because so the 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 podcaster the the correspondent was saying that there's a limited window that he has to invade ukraine because a lot of this stuff's are 
covered in ice in late January, February, March. And after that becomes the mud season. Mm-hmm. And so all these heavy, heavy artillery, trucks, tanks would just get bogged down in the mud. Whereas in, when it's icy, that's the best time to invade. And so obviously it's important that if they don't come to an agreement by, I think, I think they're talking today and tomorrow and, and Friday, you know, I don't think anything's going to, anything's going to come of these talks, but you know, we'll see. So we, next week we could be talking about an invasion of Ukraine. Jeez. Yeah, I think you're right. It's all posturing, but that's why I teach geography, man. How fascinating is that the landscape determines maneuvering of armies and this geopolitical chess game going on and you know like how do you invade the the eurasian steppe and the great plains you know stretching across poland ukraine parts of russia it's like i would have never considered mud you know but that's right basically the geography and the terrain of eastern europe and russia stopped napoleon stopped the nazis Mm -hmm. stopped hitler and now putin wants to go back the other way and reverse course did you know that so because of climate change, right, and the polar cap, ice caps melting and places getting warmer, a lot of those places in Russia that are normally cold, their houses are built on, like, ice. And now that the ice is melting, these whole towns are just crumbling because the houses start to sink. And I was like, that's crazy. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> fake news. All right. Anyways, that's my diatribe. Hugely fake. <laughs> I'm really intrigued to get into you, and I, I don't know if you want to kick it off there. You know, if we w- want to cover some other stuff first, but to me, I'm just going to say right now, the winner of this book, and I want to, I want to, we need to bring on someone who's an expert in like military tactics. But Scott Coleman's plan, dude, that him and the sealed demolition and salvage set had already set up in these countries, and I'm thinking, I'm like, wait, especially because it's happening now, like. Do you think Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania like have something like this already set up to like they'll they'll essentially ruin their country to hamper the Russian movement, or is that something not not realistic? I don't know, but you're right. That was an awesome nugget that Scott's company has been contracted to work with these countries to have essentially a kill switch, a defensive right. tactic of if you're invaded, destroy the infrastructure giving the invading army no purpose to go any further. They're not winning any gains by, you know, controlling your territory. Everything's burned. You know, the slash and burn. That was crazy. I I don't, I would imagine some countries have, you know, a kill switch like that. I know it's a separate region, but Switzerland, during World War II, being in the mountains, very difficult to get in unless you have the roads and bridges and tunnels through the mountains that are already established, I definitely know they had a plan that upon some sort of invasion, they were able to self-destruct and implode all the roadways in and out of the country, essentially cutting themselves off. And along with that, having stocks of supplies for X amount of months or years, if they needed to isolate, you know? So would the Baltic states have an insurance policy like that? Yeah, I believe it. Another reason why I think so is a big part of the Russia plan, and in this book, Krupin's plan, is the propaganda war. Right. If all of a sudden you don't see the Russians coming in as liberators and going into pristine cities and saying, you know, we're the dominant power now, you know, 
will we control these communities, but instead they see carnage, Russian tanks rolling into already burned out cities you know, on fire, piles of rubble. It will make their propaganda look like they were they were the aggressors. You know, they had no conquering photos to show of them leading or building a peaceful society under the umbrella of Soviet dominion. They would just look like the terrorists who came in scorched earth and everything was destroyed. So it would ruin their, it would undercut their propaganda campaign as well. Yeah. And there's two things. So I I think this is, while the second part of this book has a lot of flaws and I think like the, probably the worst part of the second part of the book is everything to do with rap, you know, getting once he gets to, to Krupen, right. But the buildup and the rap working, we've, we've never seen rap and Scott, in like the closest thing that we've come to like a world war, you know, like it's kind of cool seeing it reminds me of the stories that we got from Thomas Stansfield and how you yes. go over the iron curtain, you know, yes. we've seen operate, we've seen rap operate in the middle East, obviously and th- that those are real wars. I'm not, I'm not trying to say like, this is, this is a real war, but those are real wars, but they're, they're very different kind of wars, right? It's a, it's a, this is a more, uh, I guess in this sense, you know, they're the, the now, Rap and Coleman are on the side, like what would be the the Taliban, right, or the like, right. you know, the the uh, guerrillas, and then an insurgency, the, the an insurgency, right? But the the two pieces that I think Kyle gets right, and I think are really key, is the idea you mentioned the propaganda war, and what's one thing that starts to show cracks in, in the Russian plan? One of the Russian troops goes over and is seen beating a native, like right. a native Russian, who they think you know, would, would welcome them. Exactly. That, yes, that doesn't get out in Russia, but it like, it gets out in social media and like, so people end up seeing it and that just puts another crack into their propaganda war that, oh, they're treating, you know, they're not really here to help people. And then two, which I think is probably more important than blowing up your bridges or blowing up your own airport. It's this idea that they had a safeguard with all of these phone lines that Russia couldn't cyber attack. I think that would be key if like any, I don't know how much money should be pumped into the United States or wherever having like a backup that's off grid. Right. But to me, that would be something very important to have. You know, we see what happens in total power when we lose power. You know, it would be important to have these systems that are in place. Like It's so funny. They call up like all these old operating uh, women who used to operate the telephone lines. Yes. That's the reason that Latvia and, uh, you know, all these countries are, they're able to stay on and and get communications and and coordinate. I don't know. I really enjoyed that part of the book. Um, And like Scott blowing up the airport. He, he, he says like, let it be known. Is it Scott with a, Coleman with a C, like he's the first person to, to fire in World War Three. Coleman with a C, motherfuckers. The first <laughs> yeah. shot of World War Three. <laughs> that was funny. Dude, yeah. I I was prepared to come into this pod. A bit of a negative mindset, you know, just wrapping up the ending of this book. But that's a big winner. Kyle got all that right. I forgot about the phone lines. And the redundancy in having a backup communication system, really good stuff, which I think connects to and dovetails with another winner I had. I kind of liked seeing the CIA's Russia team that Irene yes. put together with this Antonin McCormick. I mean, you sometimes wonder, how does Irene do what she does? And I think part of her skill set is 
leaning on the right people at the right time in the right way. She's, she's a really good manager in that sense. And she brings in this guy who he knows the Russian psyche inside and out. He knows Krupin's leadership plans. He even warns like Sokolov might be the most dangerous man in the world now that he's back in power. So that we have to worry about. And then when when he's directing Rap and Grisha to go in and find Krupin, the the skills they did in tracking down all the clues to figure out where Krupin's hold up kind of reminded me of what you hear with the hunt for Osama bin Laden. Right. How we had entire teams, their whole devotion 24-7 was gather every piece of intel and put together the narrative, put together the story of this man's hiding. He's They're monitoring chat rooms. They're tracking email communications from doctors. They're looking up doctors who randomly kind of disappeared from their postings and patients who had something that could be considered as brain cancer and got these phishing emails about experimental treatments. Well, when they dug into the emails, they were able to even see shifts in the communication styles of the email. Right, so they knew were being taken. Right. They knew that those people were taken and they were making fake emails to make it look like they were still around. Or when they were writing home to their family members of what they were doing, they weren't writing in the same level or style that they would to family members when they were free, which definitely shows that they're under duress. The one guy he's like he even goes up like three grade levels in his writing and it's like Right. He's like, well, what if, and they're like, well, what if, um, you know, obviously someone else is writing them. It's like, but it, no, it's not all going to happen at the exact same time that this happens. Right. But I think even what's, what's cool, even before that, the fact that how they figure out he's sick yes. is he's been watching every single interview that Krupen has given and they track the time of like the, they even look at the, the sunlight and they can see like, wait, he's never worn sunglasses even in, in the sun and he looks tanner. And so by piecing these together, like, why would he be wearing sunglasses? Why is he so tan when he's ac- actually been in, you know, this cold environment, supposedly cold environment um, hunting? Well, it's it's because he, he doesn't look well. You know, he, they're having to doctor him up. And I don't know, that to me was a, another really cool part, seeing that, you know, obviously there's teams like this that, that exist in the CIA that do this. And just to see that sort of analysis and uh, in action was was really cool to me. Yeah, definitely. One other real connection to Putin, this propaganda campaign to make it look like he's strong, hunting bears, he's out you know, on these exotic fishing trips and wild stuff. Do you remember when Putin went around no shirt on horseback? Oh, yeah. Oh, and I the remember photos. that meme. <laughs> that meme is, is, is infamous, yeah. I feel like Krupin shooting bears, you know, with no shirt should be aligned next to Putin riding, you know, horseback, bareback horseback. Yeah, I wanted to come into this pod not not as down as as we did as we have, especially on like Order to Kill. Um, coming with a little bit more of a find what I liked in the second half because we're gonna get to what we didn't like about the second half um, for sure. But right. um, I, I just wanted to highlight those you know those two things that to me really worked, and I wanted to see more of it. You, you could have had Scott and Rap working with the Latvian insurgency for way longer than they actually did. Like the the scene when Rap gets out, that that's a cool scene. When he swims, 
He runs when, when he, yeah, the beach, first he yeah. goes and, and beats up that guy um, with the machine gun, and then uses the machine gun to blow to the take mines. up the uh, to blow the mines. And yeah. you know he gets across, but Scott doesn't. You know it's like reminded me of Dunkirk, at, but at night, you know, like yes. that kind of stuff. I, I love like World War II stuff. So to me, bringing that back was 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 really nice. Yeah, I'm great scenes. Glad you brought it all up. We do have to get to the ending, this last stretch of 50 to 100 pages or so. But before we get there, I want to wrap up the Crouppen discussion. We, we've been saying for a while he was kind of refreshing as a big bad, maybe one of Kyle's biggest big bads, perhaps, or scariest villains in terms of a real modern day context. So who would you picture in your mind? If we do some fan casting, every once in a while we get into this. Who is your old man Crouppen just scaring the bejesus out of everyone when he's on TV and just commanding a room at all times? Who is that to you? Well, now that you say like scary, big, bad and going like because literally that we are seeing Crouppen going insane. And that's one of the things I, I, I didn't like about the ending because it feels like he he does break, but he. He doesn't go that far. Like, like in the end, he wants to like pull out and wants to not do. Or like I wanted to see him like actually. I don't know. Like, we'll, we can get to that. But before, Sokolov before, replaces I'll your him. Question. Sokolov right. becomes the extremist. Yeah. But then there's just like this push and pull, and, and then neither of them actually live up to this this idea of this big, you know, scary bad. But you know, just you're saying like, psych, you know, someone who I have seen do a psychological breakdown and is scary. I, I think of like Jack Nick, um, mm-hmm. Nick Nicholson. Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Um, just from like The Shining, you know. Right. I don't know if he could do a Russian accent. I'm, I'm sure he could. It'd probably be bad, but um, I don't think you he know. also looks the part. I, I get no. that angle, but he doesn't look the part. Someone who who could give us that range of someone going insane. Right. Right. Here's a quote though, because I, I want to get some facts about what Crouppen looks like physically. So, before you give me some more names, here here it is. Quote. Crouppen was a bear of a man, 200 pounds of bulk, hung on a six-foot frame, still solid but becoming less so every day. His black hair was thick on not only his head but across his broad chest and back. His entire persona is as a tough guy who scares the shit out of the rest of the world. He's not capable of making Russia stronger, so he has to make everyone else weaker. Hmm. So you, you mentioned him before the pod but brian cox from secession like i'm just thinking of and he's been a lot of stuff um yeah. he sort of you know especially his character you know just put a russian version of that character from from succession uh would be perfect I, i'm also thinking of the guy uh, ray winstone who's been in a lot of a lot of things most recently as as a russian though he was in um he was the big bad in uh black widow in, in the marvel series oh uh, i, I can see would, that he would be good you know, just another Russian big bad that we've seen through back in the day was, um, um, oh, I just said him, Sean Connery. You know, right. he, he's taller than six foot, but um, I could see him, you know, playing that character. Or you know, he's a little bit older now, but like a, uh, a Robert Redford. You know, he's he's okay. played like a stately character could give us like some depth, but he's like blonde hair. I, I don't I know. Say, he doesn't tough. have the look. Doesn't have a look. No, what about- doesn't really have the look. Anthony Hopkins. Oh yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, he's got that scary factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's a a one I'm not too sure about. Ed Harris? He's not bulky. He's not bulky, exactly. If he bulked up, if he, like, bulked up. But, yeah, no, Ed Ed Harris is, you know, some chilling, you know, some chilling roles. He's got that range, yep. Yeah, I could see that. If you wanted to go someone closer to... Ed Harris reminds me more of Putin. Well, Putin is pretty bulky, but... Maybe Sokolov. Ed Harris is Sokolov for me. Yeah, he's, I could Because he's that. still got that military fit or military look, the clean cut, you know, sharp jawline. I feel like Ed Harris would be Sokolov. Could you have, like, ha- Javier Badame play uh, Krupin? Just sounds strange to have a Javier play a Russian, but... <laughs> <laughs> I know, but, like, I just think of his character from Skyfall is was so creepy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or like a, I could see Christoph Waltz as uh, Sokolov. Who is that? He's the um, you know, the guy from Inglorious Bastards, and uh, uh, he was also in the the the, pre- the sequel to Skyfall. What was that? Uh, Spectre. Yes, I think he would make a Sokolov also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right about that. Well, that's fun. I like doing fan casting. A couple of those names we threw out might work as an aging Grisha too. You know. It, Grisha 20, 30 years from now after he's been surfing in Hawaii, apparently, with Kara. But um, for another time. The ending. Yeah. I, I think things go downhill when Rap and Grisha are starting to make their way across the forest of Russia. And I'm not too sure their cover works for me. Bird watchers, Chris? Bird watchers? Well, all right. Before we get to that, let's 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 talk about two things that have to happen to get us to that, right? Okay. The whole second half of the book is we we discuss, you know, this this attack, it happens. There's back and forth with with the Russians and and the United States and you know what they're going to do and then finally Rap has to get essentially Kennedy gives him the go ahead to go kill Krupin and they think they've figured out who where he is. What did you think of that scene where Claudia Oh, yeah. Is on the Russian submarine, or not on the not the Russian, but on the submarine? Uh, reminded me of she. She's very much like a Q in that sense, you know, yeah. where she just shows up and here's your weapons and here's your orders, and, and Mitch is like a James Bond. So it worked in that sense, but it was just funny, like seeing. See, he's like this, she's a, plays a French officer. I, I, I thought it was kind of cool. Um, but her, she's supposed to be a master of logistics and I guess she does say like, it's not a good idea. You know, it's, she doesn't think he should do it, but it's so thin. It is so thin. Such a thin cover story. And then the second thing, I guess Grisha is also on that submarine, but one of the reasons they're able to find it, what did you think of him running to, to chase, you know, first he uses the tracker to, we didn't even talk about him cutting out a uh, liver liver. From okay, Grisha does some badass stuff here. He does. He really does. And then he uses his, you know, spy skills, even though he's not really a spy, but to get the tracker, you know, they, they, they purposely figure out, all right, Krupen's going to need to get new test subjects. Let's put people on these test subjects. Pushkin comes to get one of them, puts a tracker on it, follows that. Then it goes in an airplane. He runs and he, he's like, I don't even know why I'm doing this, but he just bolts for the airplane i i thought at one i forgot i was like oh does he like go up into the airplane but no he just throws his sat phone into the airplane which is you know i guess that's a better idea right i was wondering what exactly does he do because 
The plane's he already taxiing. The, uh, the, um, the landing gear. I think he has the sat phone in his pocket and he ties his coat around the landing gear. Uh, that's just wild. Yeah, he's chasing down the plane. I feel like there's that scene in 24. Jack Bauer hops a fence yeah. or something, is chasing a plane. I'm sure it's been done in plenty of movies and shows, but Goldeneye is that plane chase scene. Or it's like a mission. Like Remember when Tom Cruise like jumps on the plane? You know? Right. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Like, it's a trope, but it worked for me uh, because the sat phone thing and tying his coat around it and then rolling off. I was like, he can't go up. He's going to freeze. I'm like, there's no way he's going to make it. But he just wanted to get the sat phone on there. Yeah, really good stuff. Yeah, but this brings us to Claudia's plan, which is, I don't know. It didn't work for me. It, it, It really didn't work for me. Yeah, they're so they're environmentalists. And she has briefings all about the wildlife and what they're tracking, which ends up helping rap. So Claudia's briefings do save his ass because he could talk the talk about whatever species they're supposed to be tracking through the woods. But the Russians got a guy patrolling the area. And so they basically run into him and he says, hey, you know, I'm going to tag along with you guys for a little while. He's a little curious, a little fishy about what's going on. But he answers, Rap answers all of his questions. So when he starts pressing him on, oh, well, tell me about the environmental act of so-and-so, or tell me about the population of, of this species in Siberia, you know, Rap can answer the questions. He's a little curious, though, about Rap's quiet friend. Somebody who we know doesn't like improv, doesn't like trying to answer questions on the spot about things and probably didn't read Claudia's briefing packets yeah, as closely as he should have. And this Russian officer, that's well, he's not, he, he's been placed there by Krupin because, you know, obviously this place is close to where Krupin's staying. Security, so, right. Yeah. He, he's like some lackey who has somewhat intelligence to actually look up and read their backstory and know, you know, fish out, to me, I just, you know, he's like me. If, if I got placed somewhere and I'm told to look out for suspicious people, I'm going to like, uh, I'm going to dig into, you know, what they're studying. So that way, if someone can come up to me and just say, oh, yeah, I'm here to, to do this. But the thing that gets me, though, is that Mitch uses his real name. Yeah, he probably uses like Mitch Cruz, but right. he uses Mitch. And to think that, all right, Krupen knows that Mitch is probably coming for him. He's probably going to say, look up for a guy, like look up for a, this guy's name is Mitch Rapp. And this is the first, like, yeah, sure. If he doesn't recognize him because from the photos, whatever the doctoring, but the fact that he uses Mitch, he'd be like, well, I'm supposed to be looking for this guy named Mitch. And here's a guy, Mitch, who doesn't look like he's that much of a conservationist. Cause he's freaking, you know, rap rap's got to look, you know, maybe not super jacked, but he's not Maslick, but he's, he's got to be fit, you know? A lot of my PhD friends are not are not are not ripped, you know. <laughs> I have a few, but a lot of them aren't. Let's also be honest. This guy works for Krupin's personal security. He's in the Russian government, intelligence services, or military, whatever. And he doesn't recognize rap. Not just his name, not just his looks, but honestly, even his face. Mitch Rap has been exposed. I mean, I've brought this up many a times. I understand that an average Joe might not remember some guy on the news, I guess now a decade earlier, separation of power, Rapp's persona, his bio, and even his photo hit the news when that senator and Congressman Rudin, Senator Clark, Hank Clark and Congressman Rudin had their scheme. They exposed Rapp 
They expose the president authorizing these black ops. Rap's persona is out there. And how does this guy, and it happens a few times in the series, totally just miss that, not know who Mitch is? Maybe he doesn't make it into the Russian propaganda system. Maybe that doesn't get out there. Krupen security? Come on. I don't know, but it, I'm get. See, that's the thing, right? Krupen knew for a while now that Mitch was probably coming for him. Even if it wasn't like a couple of weeks, it was at least since he attacked that other guys, the the um, other autocrats, uh, oligarchs' uh, house. So you would send out a memo, you know, to say like, "Hey, be on the lookout for some guy that looks like this," and maybe even send out a memo of some guy that looks like Grisha, you know. And also, a lot of people know who Grisha. I mean, I guess Grisha is like pretty secretive of who he is, but he had a whole backstory, and he's a pretty prominent figure. You would think that maybe security professionals would would maybe they don't know everything Grisha's done, or maybe they didn't even know he worked for Krupen. But to I, I don't know that that's the thing. I mean, I guess ultimately he does like find them suspicious, and they have is to going him. to try to out them. They have to kill him. It was hard know, to this, swallow. It's hard to swallow. The thing is, right, we were talking about coincidences all last week. It's just a coincidence that there's two Americans that are going to be going in to this place in Russia where, like, World War Three has pretty much already kicked off, and they happen to get on the last plane out. Like, yeah. I, I'm going to be suspicious of any Americans that get in on an airplane, you know, right after all this stuff is kicked off. I, I don't know. To me, yeah. as soon as that happens... If I'm in charge, like, or if I'm Sokolov, right, I'm telling, like, be suspicious of any Americans that are coming in, no matter what. Absolutely. I'm stopping them at the border. You know, I'm, I'm not letting them get to anywhere near this site. Do you think it just shows the Russians' incompetence, which is definitely a theme and something Kyle Probably. wants to do? Yeah. Too much yeah, so. No, I, I guess that. It's I like the know. It's like the coincidences. I'll buy one or two. I'll buy them if there's a, a couple of lines to write it off for me. So I'll buy Kyle wanting to push the Russian incompetence, you know, disorganization, how they just miss the boat because of how they operate and how their leadership structure is. But to be this, this was too loose. It was just a little too loose. I feel like it's a, it's an untied end that someone like Kyle is usually a lot more tidy about. His storylines check out a bit more than that. And and I feel like when we read Vince, I would have never had to suspend disbelief this much and convince myself just to play along. Or if Vince did convince me of something so outlandish and I should play along, the story was so gripping in that moment, I was more than willing to do it. The story's just not got me enough right now to totally write it off. It's kind of ho-hum, going along, hiking through the woods. Not that much to it for me. but I think also the the previous coincidences hurt this one. You know, exactly. like if you don't have the ones, like the three that pop up in the beginning of the book, maybe this one doesn't stand out as much. You know, but like now we're like, oh, like Mitch is just running into all, all these coincidences, you know, yeah. back to back. But I think this leads to an overall theme about the ending, how it seems like super rushed, you know, like mm-hmm. they have this whole buildup and this whole plan and yeah, it's crumbling in on the Russians and, and Krupin is sort of, and Sokolov are now at opposites and Sokolov essentially wants to, is, is, is committed to killing uh, Krupin and, and 
but Krupen wants to now send off a nuclear weapon and, and picks Copenhagen. Like I, I wanted him to go even further. Like I, I, I that would have been cool to like see maybe not a nuclear weapon, but like now let's move outside of the Baltics, you know, like let's, let's actually do it, you know? And to me, that interactions between him and Sokolov, it goes to the point, but then it backs off. Yes. And it just, yes. it waters, it's, it becomes watered down. And I just wanted it to go one step further, and that would have made it so more engaging. I, I don't know. Did you feel the same way? No, I, I wanted that one step further in a couple of different ways. The one you just mentioned, definitely. I like that Sokolov was almost usurping a vulnerable Krupin's power towards the end. How cool would it have been if, like, in Star Wars, what's the order to kill all the young Jedi? Um, oh, the 66, Order 66. Order 66. If Sokolov all of a sudden somehow had a, a continuity of government plan that involved him basically taking over the Russian nukes, army, military in public, like he had this whole plan where all of a sudden any Krupin loyalists are outed you know, they're all just locked up and arrested or killed, and his generals just take over and start even marching further if they go from Latvia, you know, into the other countries. They completely go into Ukraine. If he just all of a sudden just went hog, I would have liked to see that. And one other thing about the the continuity plan, Mitch and Grisha, we knew they didn't really have an escape plan, but Kyle gave us the lame lamest way of getting out at the end literally the last chapter is we're hunkered down here it might be a while we don't know what's going on out there oh wait we hear somebody with a sawzall what's that they're cutting open the door for us and then there's a truck full of supplies for them to get out oh irene must have sent somebody that's the last chapter that's literally the last paragraph before the epilogue which which does a little something different, but they literally just, somebody saws them out of the bunker. I would have rather seen like the conversation that she had to get that than actually seeing it happen. You know, like uh, there's the tension between her and uh, there was that, that really tense scene with her down in Panama with the prime minister, prime minister. Yep. Maybe maybe a follow-up scene to that. I don't know. And, but before we even get to that, what did you think of the death of Krupen and the death of Sokolov? okay like yeah they they were they were okay but it, yeah it's not what i i didn't want sokolov to sokolov got carried away by you know the these the tests of the it patients. that, he, that yeah. the patients you know that he'd been, been working on you know like frankenstein eat, you know eating his his master essentially and and then krupen gets a needle to the like the the fact that he'd taken so many stimulants, like one more stimulant is what, what puts it over the edge. You know, Mitch's gun. I would have rather seen Mitch's gun not go off and him Mitch just kill him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why didn't Grisha get the final kill? Or Grisha getting the final kill. Like, right? like Mitch Mitch and, and Grisha both show up and Mitch is like, you know, don't do it. Or like, I don't know. Like, and Grisha just does it. Yeah. I didn't exactly buy that they were totally split up and Mitch went to face Krupen on his own because Grisha was, I think, distracted fighting some guard or soldier. I, it just didn't. He was with Pushkin. With Pushkin, right. He was grappling with Pushkin. Yeah. It kind of didn't land. Although it made me recall, do you remember what Mark Harris said? And in case anybody didn't get the reading in order and didn't read Enemy at the Gates, I don't want to say too much, but the way the victims are left to get justice 
for what's been done to them by killing Sokolov and basically being allowed to tear him to shreds. There's a scene in Enemy at the Gates where Kyle oh, kind of right. recycles See, that's that. A, that's a cool version of it. That's a, that's a better version of it. I Yeah, I think so, especially because the Africa and the warlords. I, yeah, I think that's a cooler version here. It was, it was just a little bit of a letdown. I feel like there it, it, it hit a little harder. I would have rather seen Sokolov kill Krupin and him take over yes. as the big bad. Exactly. You know, and then we, we totally subvert this idea that, oh, we were building up for Krupin to be the big bad when the whole time Kyle's laying this groundwork that, no, it's actually Sokolov who has this plan and he's going insane and he, he wants to now, like you said, go past Lithuania into Poland, into Ukraine, whatever. Yep. And then and Rap and Grisha have to deal with him. Right. On that note, I almost would have wanted to see Rap and Grisha on the ground fail. Not in a big way, but fail to get Sokolov like he can still sneak out. Or he's not even there. They didn't like it was just like a bonus that he was happened to be there with Krupin. You know, like they went to get Krupin and then then they were gonna have to deal with Sokolov. And then they got Sokolov, yeah. Yeah. If Sokolov was secretly taking over the Russian military and government to execute his plan of, you know, continuity, I would have liked that, which would have allowed, you said before, we got a nugget of Irene pressuring Boris Utkin, the prime minister, that he now has to, you know, be the one to steer Russia and work more closely with the Americans because we know what Russia just did. I would have liked to see her really forcefully playing Utkin's hand and getting him to take down Sokolov and prevent Sokolov's takeover. If Irene could have had some machination by which her genius got Utkin, who is not power hungry, he's not your traditional Russian operator, if you will, political savvy operator. If Irene got Utkin to do that, and undercut Sokolov's plan. I just think would have been super cool. And he also, like, I, I like that scene because he even says, I'm not going to be your puppet. I'm not going to be an American agent in charge of Russia. You're not going to get that. And she's like, fine. I, I understand that. She even says, I don't have the quote. You're the quote guy. But she's, you know, I think enemies are good. Yeah. But I want to turn, I want to turn this war back to cold and, and not, not have it go hotter than it already is. You know, exactly. Like, it, it's, uh, she thinks it's good to have this sort of cold tension between, you know, it drives innovation, drives the whole space race was 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 great for advancement of, on both sides, right? You know, just seeing her interact with him again would have been would have been nice. Couldn't that have been so, more than two lines in the epilogue, two paragraphs in the epilogue? Yeah, they just they in the epilogue they just explain away they they sort of do a round a round robin of everything to to wrap everything up and say oh this happened that happened they explained away this they explained away that and Rap is unloading uh, a moving truck in into Scott's house apparently Scott like <laughs> Scott had a little bit of trouble getting out of Latvia that that was that like those kind of things are cool um, yeah but just explaining away like I don't know everything else it reminded me a lot of Transfer of Power like yeah. the we love Transfer of Power. And then the ending just seemed so quick and rapid. And I don't know. We mentioned it before. It's hard to end things. Um, And here it just three fourths into the book. It just sort of went off the rails for me, at least. There's one other somewhat disappointing storyline being wrapped up. And it's Grisha. Grisha and Kara just get resettled by Claudia in Hawaii. New identity. New home. 
And what are we, three books now past Red War? Lethal Agent, Total Power, Enemy. And we haven't heard anything else. So are you happy with the way Grisha is just kind of pocketed away, deposited away in Hawaii? Do you want to see him pop up again? Do you wish he was mentioned in some way in the Saeed Halabi storyline or in the stuff in Africa that Rap and Scott were just doing in Enemy? Were you satisfied with where we left off with Grisha? See, that part I I don't mind because I think Kyle was trying to work in this whole idea of Grisha, his grief. And there's a lot of conversations between like him and Rap early on in the book and then later on where... And we mentioned like that was some of the things we really liked in the first half was these conversations that Rap could never have with anybody else. And they're very similar to things that has happened in Grisha's life. You know, he says he doesn't know, like he can't even remember all the people that he's killed. And so, yeah, I think like Kyle actually did a pretty decent job, including his arc. Obviously, you know, Krupin's gone. Sokolov's gone. Ukin doesn't have any beef against him, I guess. So never hearing from him again is... I'm fine with that. I think like at least that part of the story was, was finished up nicely. Cause we, we got to see like towards the end, he was sort of breaking down there. You know, he mm-hmm. didn't know what to do with his life. And he really, obviously really cared about this woman that he takes a freaking liver out of, <laughs> he like look, eyes this guy's up and is like, what blood type are you? <laughs> <laughs> Though he already knows. Yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't really mind that much, you know, for on that end. Um, okay. What about you? Did you, did, do you feel unsatisfied that we haven't heard about Grisha for a while? I, I sort of had forgotten about him, or not forgotten about him. I had forgotten about where we ended up with him. Right. Because it is a little bit unmemorable. Yeah. I think it left a bitter taste that it things just dropped off without too much closure. But the more I think about it, I did appreciate those conversations he had with Rap, the changes he was undergoing. And I guess this is Rap's way of paying him back in a sense, which sounds weird because he messed up Scott. But they've each scratched. And he tried to kill Rap. He tried to kill Rap on multiple occasions. But paying him back in the sense of he knows Grisha has changed. He knows Grisha is caring for Kara. He knows Grisha is seriously willing to go to the ends of the earth for her. He knows he's not going to be doing shady stuff behind the scenes as a killer anymore he's not louis gould he's going to be able to drop drop this life so i think rap is saying i have a chance to let him get out that i'll never have you know we've been talking about getting out as a theme on the podcast and for rap since transfer power maybe by just this cold turkey drop grisha off the universe is a way of rap saying I'll do what I can for people who deserve it. And Grisha got to the point that he deserves it. And Rap wants to give him that life. Yeah, and I think it's different than like the end of Consent to Kill where Rap decides to let Louis leave. Like In that moment, you could see, or at least when we see him again in The Last Man, you could see why he went back. You know, like why Rap shouldn't have let him go. Mm -hmm. But here... I think it would be a really hard heel turn to now have Grisha come back as a villain. The only time I would ever see Grisha come back yeah, can't is to help rap. Can't do that. Is yeah, to help rap. Can't, can't if, do if you that. have Grisha come back and be no, a villain, no, 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 like no. that would that would be no 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 not good. No, no, no. Yeah, the I agree. The consent to kill epilogue, rap was the broken man. Yes. And he couldn't 
get the proper read on Louis, which was he was a pure psychopath who was going to get back into the game. But Rap was so shattered. Maybe it was and a he wanted to find the good in him. He wanted to find the good hope, in him. Hope that that would take over, and hope it was there, and hope the family bonds with Claudia and Baby Anna would be enough to make him realize that. And Rap was wrong. It wasn't enough because Louis had to. He was crazy, and he had to die a few books later. He had to. But here, Grisha's the broken one, and Rap is now on the outside. Rap is beyond. Rap has moved on from that. Sees Grisha in that in that bubble where, you know, he doesn't know what to do, doesn't know where to turn. And I think rap says, I have an opportunity to let him have this life by not badgering him, by not bringing him back in, by having Claudia do her thing and resettle them. And, uh, I, yeah, I think it's nice that Grisha got to that point because these conversations they've had have been so, so deep lately. Yeah. Well, that's the book. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the book. It's that time. We we need some winners, losers. We talked about it quite a bit, and I'm gonna need your final rating, Chris. I'm really curious about this. Yeah, so definitely my winner of the book has got to be Scott Coleman. His ideas, the the whole story of him, how he got out of Latvia, like that stuff was great. His his, his barbs, you know, the fact that in the end he's like, I don't know if it was in the end or early on in the book. But anyways, he's sawing. And Mitch is like, anyone could have just came up and, and killed him with how loud that bandsaw is. And uh, Scott just likes tinkering. I just think of the idea of some some idiot trying to actually like creep up on Scott, even when you think he's he, he can't hear you. He's got to be my winner of the book. Uh, losers, you know, we mentioned the coincidences, the ending. Uh, we didn't, Another thing we didn't bring up, but another person who didn't even realize who Mitch was or, or didn't stop was that head of security at the this bunker site just lets like Grisha and his friend who's rap walk up on him and then be in like, I think begins to open the door and then it takes another person to run by and say, no kill Grisha. Like the fact that not everyone has the, the, even though they know that rap and Grisha are probably coming to get Krupin, like to kill Grisha on site. I don't know. Anyway. So yeah, all these coincidences in the ending are the losers for me. And I had to come, no, I, I liked a, a decent amount of this book, so I didn't go too hard, but it's it's like a seven nine, you know, almost an eight, you know, B minus C plus range. I don't know what what at my school a B minus was was a seventy nine, so uh, that that's my final rating for it. All right, I feel you, I feel you. I'll just add to your winners list the geopolitical stuff. Yes, um, for the, sure. That that's that's the clear winner of this book. Yep, the challenges to NATO, the way we talked about this Latvian backup plan and this communications grid i think kyle trying that out really worked it was a lot of fun some of the discussions around article 5 and the challenges to nato how would the u.s respond the war gaming scenarios and again just being so as you said prescient to what we're going through right now <laughs> will ukraine be a country a month from now just yeah, really fun, really good stuff. I think that conversation, and then some of the badass moments we just went over, rap shooting up the minefield on the beach, Grisha securing the sat phone to the plane's landing gear, I think all that's going to bump me up a little bit. I was prepared to give it that C-, minus. I think that's the lowest I've ever gone, that C, C-. minus. Sorry, Don. We know our patron Don. Huge fan of Red War. She even tweeted at us. One of those positive reviews was me on Goodreads and Amazon. So 
That's Sorry, Don. Um, but Chris, you convinced me. I'm gonna go C plus with you. Yeah, I'll I'll put it at that seven range. Okay. All right. Yeah, All right. I'll say a seven for C plus. Probably around a protect and defend. A little better than a pursuit of honor. Unfortunately, though, I think once you're in C territory, you're talking, you're flirting with the bottom five. Yeah, I I think it's close to the bottom five, maybe yeah. top of the bottom five, top of the yeah. bottom. Yeah. Um, you know, executive power is definitely worse than this book. Sure. Um, pursuit of honors worse. Pursuit of honors worse than this book. Kill shot a little better. Uh, little little better. I think Order to Kill is, you know, we were down on that, but I think Order to Kill is better than this book. Order to Kill is way better, way better than this book, definitely. I think if for nothing because of the, the Grisha Scott fight scene, but yeah. Total Power? Total Power, I think, is better than this book because I believed it more. Mm, okay, yeah. I don't know. All right, I can see that. I can see that. I think the grid stuff was also really creative, so... This book is better than term limits. Dude, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm on my term limits agenda. No, 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 no. I mm, No. I don't have to I can't. It's too late at night for me to even engage. <laughs> Sorry. The third option? Is it better than the third option? So I made a mistake on the third option. I originally when you we did the pod it. also gave it a C plus. I was wrong. So no, third option way better than this. And way more important in the rap verse than sure. this. The sure. third option does a whole lot to set up rap, to set up the universe, to bring together the characters. So no. Third option is better. Protect and defend. Is that when Kennedy is taken? No, that's uh y- yeah, that is yeah, when is. Kennedy's taken. Yeah, it is. Um that's a little you give it a C plus as well. You give it I, a C plus as well. So I think that's a. I would have to revisit that one. I like the Kennedy being taken stuff. I that's think probably Rob the best Ridley part. Was though. in that. Yeah, this, I don't remember much else to it besides her languishing in the cell and rap saving her. So I think it was a little better than this. What do you say? Well, you like that one. I did like that one. Um, it's they're they're probably they're close. Looking at your scores, you don't have anything else that's a C except for Pursuit of Honor. So by that, this would be your second to least favorite book. I know. I need to go back. And and now that we have actually completed everything, I have like a better sense of how good books, you know, because we're in the moment. I can only really rate it versus what we've read before. Right. And like this is probably suffering from the fact that we've now read everything. Um, we'll have to recalibrate. We'll, we'll, yeah, definitely. That's a, that's a whole another pod. So, hold on. Wait a minute. We can't end this episode without my favorite segment of the show, and one I am proud to say, very proud to say, might just save this whole thing. So, if, if we've been negative, if I've been down at all, I apologize. But the covers, judging a cover by the book. Red War is rocking, absolutely rocking with these covers. 
we get probably I know I think we said Order to Kill had a really good cover set, but this is this is this is up there with a this really is good great. cover set. First of all, we don't get a stupid cover C. Might be my favorite part of the whole thing. It does not <laughs> That's exist. a win. Thank you, Simon and Schuster. If you could prevent cover C from being published in this book because it's newer, please prevent that from happening. We are good as we are with the five covers we have. Don't need a cover C for it. Yep. The OG cover, which is like this new, the new style that they're doing for our, I think it started with Survivor and all the Kyle books. Really enjoy that uh, illustrator or cover book artist. You know, that's the Kremlin. It's red against the black, entwined into the red war. Really enjoy that one. It's really cool, cover A. It's obviously the classic. And I liked it, but then when I saw D, which for me is the Kindle version and the right. audiobook version, it's basically cover A, but less cartoonish, less, right. of a, less of a cartoon and a, more of a real world silhouette of St. Basil's and the Kremlin. And so I liked A, but once I saw D, I was like, oh, it doesn't look as much of a meme as A does. And A started looking too elementary for me. So yeah, I like them both, but I think I think D... Definitely takes the cake for me. And I think D is along those same lines of where they just slap on a, a silhouette of a mosque or a building, a, right. a, the, typically some building in Washington, you know. But here, like this one actually has importance to the story. So right, it works. It gets, it, it works, you know. And then some of the other like artistic ones, you know, the B, which is, um, that's the UK version, right? I'm guessing this is a street in Ukraine, Latvia some sort of Eastern European country. And I think like, this would be cool if this is like, you know, where Grisha is spying on the old man who's going to be taken and he's across in one of these uh, apartment buildings. Like that, that would be really cool to me, you know, or, or if it's, you know, somewhere in Latvia that's, you know, they're, they're doing their operation. I, I just could see it fitting in multiple different scenes. That's why it, it worked for me. Yeah. So it's so clearly Soviet era. And and right. that works for me. And then you drop a running man in. I, is this the UK version or is this the running man? Because you got to have a running man. It could be both. I don't know. Typically, you put the the UK version for cover B. So I figured that that's what it was. This might be the first running man that's not in DC. It's usually a DC monument with the running man. He's just dropped in there on a snowy street. Yeah, I like it. It works. It works. And there's that light on in in one of the the rooms in one, the in the one building. Of the rooms. Yeah. Makes you wonder what room is it? Who's in there? Is Grisha? Is it Rap? Yeah, it could fit with a lot of scenes. So I like that. Cover E, that could fit with Sokolov wanting to command the nukes and actually threatening a nuclear strike. You actually see the rockets, the missile heads, pointed and looks like they're ready to be engaged. And in the foreground is a man with a gun, holding a handgun, pointing it to the ground. We've had that before. On the German version, quite a few times. I feel like that's been a been a reoccurring theme on the the German cover. Yeah, and I think feel like you know showing these weapons, Red War. Obviously, you're in. I'm guessing that looks like a, a star, so that's probably some insignia that would go on Russian artillery. So it, it conveys like what's going to happen in this book. That's a big chunk of this book is this invasion. So it's important. And again, right. I enjoy covers that have some meaning with the actual book you know not a train in the cold <laughs> we're gonna have to do a worse cover like in our in our book cover pod we're gonna have to do the best and the worst and the, the train cover may be the worst 
Maybe the worst. Oh, There's not judge- a single. Uh, oh, yeah. Don't even get me started. Book. Love cover it. C. Cover yeah, C. Yeah. No cover C here. Why do you have to bring up cover C when we don't have I'm one sorry. for Red I'm War? Sorry. I had to. We don't have one to talk about, so I had to bring up another one. All right. All right. Cover F is pretty cool. And if we're talking about scenes from the book, those helicopters coming in make me think when they're at the Chikalov mansion, that oligarch, and they're right, interrogating him, in. pressing him, and the choppers roll in. I mean, I didn't like the coincidence there, but it's kind of cool that you would think to put that on a cover. With a map on the background, looks like an outline, possibly of the Baltics. Almost looks like a military strategy map, you know, where certain encampments or infrastructure might be, like the airports that they blew up. So it could be like a Latvian, the contingency plan, a map of, you know, their targets and their escape. To me, I I thought more of the, when Rap is on the ground, he sees like the... Lithuanian like helicopters coming over, or the Estonian helicopters coming over, bringing soldiers into Latvia. That too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it just again makes sense with the story. Yes, so, it does. It's a, it's a cool cover. Yeah, it's one more thing because we brought it up with the Latvian invasion. Did you buy the populace moving out that quickly? I mean, do you really think the Latvians, a modern, settled EU NATO country, rather well developed, the population, both urban and rural, just up and leaves i felt like the evacuation just felt a little little rushed and a little forced as well i did but that was a suspension of disbelief that was okay to accept like right. it it yeah it's probably too quick but i didn't have to i didn't think about that too much whereas and again i think it's probably because of there was other ones that just were so blatant uh, blatant egregious whatever that yeah. I, I didn't really care too much about that and the insurgency stuff going on was so cool what scott and rap were doing yeah it just ground. took your mind off yeah, of it it took true. your mind off of it yeah good point good point that was red war my friend it was it's been a pleasure it's been a pleasure and an honor covering all what 21 books if we include term limits yeah 21 books if we include term limits yes which we shouldn't because it's not a good book um <laughs> i'm gonna the people so can't see me right but i'm shaking my head and i'm shaking my head violently that's so funny all right well i thank you mike for covering all these books with me we still have plenty of content to hit you in the midtrap verse as well as a couple interviews that we've done talked to jason piccolo last night Uh, we have that one for you next week and we have a couple more lined up so stay tuned for that we have to thank our patrons our special operator sherry f our special agents um, Kevin, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Piggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Reviews, please review us. They, they, they help. They mean a lot. You can find us at MidtrapPod.com or on Twitter and Instagram at MidtrapPod. And as always, just let Mitch be Mitch. Just a disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, or Simon & Schuster, but thank you to them for bringing us the wonderful world of rap. And the music soundtrack is Guerrilla Tactics by Raphael Crooks.